Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. this morning comes from John, the 21st chapter. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. The second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. He was the one who had reclined next to Jesus at the supper and said to him, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. So the rumor spread in the community that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and was written them. And we know that this testimony is true. But there are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Was I prepared to get married? I wanted to get in really, really good shape, right? I wanted to look good for my wedding day. There was a problem, though. Uh, One day I went into the weight room and I picked up a really heavy weight and I lifted it up to my shoulders and I heard a popping noise. I put the weight back down, I changed my shoes, and I went back home and went straight to the doctor because I knew something was very, very bad. Well, what I found out was I had torn my rotator cuff and my labrum in front and back, and it was going to require a pretty substantial shoulder surgery. So all those fancy terms, what that really means is I messed up my shoulder bad. That's all I knew. And I was just about to get married. And so this is what happened. I got married, we went on our honeymoon, I came back, and I had surgery almost immediately. Which meant that my wife, my beautiful new spouse, 
had become my nurse overnight without even realizing what she had stepped into. And it was really a, a tough go. I mean, for example, I couldn't sleep in the bed because it caused too much pain. So I slept on the couch for six months. And this wasn't because I was bad. It was because I was hurt and I was recovering. And it changed a lot about my life. And one of those things that it changed was I was really, really active. I love sports and all those things, but I couldn't do any of those things because of my shoulder. And so my wife and I were trying to find new ways to entertain ourselves. And we had some friends and they told us, you know what? If you're just sitting around and you can't do anything, there's this great TV show you should watch. It's called Prison Break. Now, this was before Netflix and and before Hulu. So this is what I did. I got on eBay and I searched for it. And then I bought DVD copies of the whole first season. Now, this is the first time I'd ever watched TV like this. And so it was amazing. We sat down, we watched the first episode. And this was the first TV show that I had encountered that had a cliffhanger. So we finished the episode and we looked at each other and we said, do you want to watch the next one? Because there were so many unanswered questions that seemed like they were going to be resolved in the next episode. And so we watched the next episode and guess what happened? Another cliffhanger. More unanswered questions. So I looked at her and said, how about just one more? How about just one more? Now we continued to follow this process until it was two in the morning and we watched eight or nine episodes of Prison Break. And guess what happened? There was still another cliffhanger holding us there, begging us to come back for more. Well, as we step back into our sermon series called Proof, we have been looking at all these interactions with Christ and people after his resurrection. All these interactions of a dead guy talking to people, showing to them that he was back, that he was fully back. And along the journey, we've seen another character pop up many, many times. His name was Peter. Now, Peter is is all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the Gospels. I mean, he's a central figure of the story. But if you take Peter's story and and really look at it, especially through the lens of like a TV show, it's amazing. His story is amazing. I mean, there's so many cliffhangers. In fact, if we go back to the beginning, we find Peter. Peter's a a blue-collar guy. He's a fisherman. He had been gone fishing all night, caught no fish. He's by the seashore, the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret, and he's there mending his nets. And in the meantime, there's a teacher there that he doesn't know yet who's teaching, 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 and the crowds are gathering. And Peter's kind of listening while he's fixing everything and getting ready to go home so he can go back and try again tomorrow to try to make some money. And in the meantime, that teacher, which we find out later is Jesus, walks over to Peter and says, this is what you should do. Get back in your boat, take out your nets, and throw the nets into the water. And so Peter responds very differently than I would respond. He says, sure. I'll I'll give it a go, right? I'm going to dirty my boats, dirty my nets, have to repair them again, but I'll I'll give it a shot. So he goes out and he throws the nets down and they're filled with fish. I mean, it's it's miraculous. So when he gets back in, when he gets all the fish and, and all the boats back ashore, he just falls on his face in front of Jesus. And Jesus offers him something. He says, follow me. Come be my disciple. And we're left with the first time this major cliffhanger what would this guy do? What would Simon Peter do? Would he give up everything he's known? Would he give up his business? Would he give up his boats? Would he give up his nets to become a disciple of this teacher? What would he say? As we step back in the story, we see that he becomes a follower of Christ. He becomes a disciple of Christ. His goal is to become a carbon copy of Christ. 
And as the story goes on, we learn that his name, which was Simon at the time, is actually replaced by a new name that Christ gives him, which is Peter. And Peter tells him, in the future, you're going to need this name because this name means rock. And I'm going to build the church on your leadership. I mean, this is just a simple fisherman. And so we're left once again with this cliffhanger. What will happen with Peter? He's just a simple, everyday guy. Could this possibly be true? Could he really be this, this great figure for the church, this great leader of the church? Well, as the story goes on, we begin to see more of this unfold, more of this truth unfold. And we find Peter once again having the Last Supper, like that first communion meal with the other disciples. And they're all there. And in the meantime, Jesus says to Peter, you will deny me before the morning comes. You will deny me three times. Of course, Peter's like, there's no way I'll deny you. There's no way I'm going to deny you. And we're left once again with the cliffhanger. What will happen? Will this prediction actually come true? Well, in the morning, we see it come true. We see a little girl walk up to Peter and says, are you a follower of Christ? Are you a disciple of Christ? And he says, no, 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 no. I don't know this guy. Then the crowd pushes in on him and some adults start asking, no, you are a follower of Christ. And he says, no, I'm not a follower of Christ. And it repeats one more time and he says, no, no, no. And in that moment, just like Jesus predicted, the rooster crows. And Jesus is actually near him at this point in time because Peter is following Jesus around. It says in scripture that when he did this the third time, that Jesus looked right at him. And when Jesus looks right at him, if this was a TV show, there would be a flashback. And the reason there would be a flashback is because when Jesus was getting ready to send the disciples out to do their ministry, when he was preparing them to do their own work, he told them very clearly, he said, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my heavenly father. In other words, what Jesus was saying was, if you go and tell people that you don't know me, if you deny who I truly am, then when you get to heaven and God is asking, do you you know these people, I will say, no, this is a stranger. He doesn't belong here. And so as Peter does this and Jesus looks at him, Peter is thinking about this moment. And Peter is thinking, am I doomed? Jesus warned me at exactly what he warned me against. And I stepped into this. And we're, we're once again left with this cliffhanger. What's going to happen to Peter? Is he doomed? What's going to happen with Jesus? Well, on that Sunday morning, we pick back up the story and the disciples are all gathered in this room and they're all hiding because they're very scared. They're concerned that maybe they're next to go up on a cross or to get killed. And these ladies run up and they're like, you're not going to believe this story. We went to the tomb. It was empty. An angel spoke to us, told us that Jesus was resurrected, that he's alive again. And the disciples, including Peter said, no, this hysteria, we don't believe you. But Peter, right, Peter, who's racked with guilt, takes a step of faith. And he runs to the tomb because he has to see it for himself. And he walks up and, and there it is. Sure enough, the tomb is empty. And we're left once again with this cliffhanger. What will Peter do? What will be the result of Peter? Well, he goes back to the disciples. And as they're gathered once again, these two guys, one Cleopas and one Simeon, they had an experience with Christ too on the road of Emmaus. And so they come in, they talk to the disciples, and they tell them their story. And Peter and the other disciples, they don't believe. Then in that moment, Jesus shows up. Jesus appears to all of them, including Peter. And he shows Peter that he's back. Now, when this happens, everyone's rejoicing, but Peter is probably terrified. 
because he has denied Jesus. What is Jesus going to do? And so we're left once again with this cliffhanger, this overarching theme of what's going to happen to Peter. Is he forgivable? Well, Jesus shows up once again, proves to them that he's human by eating fish because they have some concerns. They think he's a ghost. And then he shows up again and he does this amazing miracle. In fact, it was a repeat of the first time that Peter had encountered Jesus. They once again go fishing. Nothing is caught. And they see this shadowy figure on the seashore. And he says, go out, throw your nets again. They do. And they catch a whole bunch of fish. And then Peter jumps in the water and goes to Jesus. And that's what we talked about last week. And we're left with this cliffhanger. Once again, we still don't know what's going to happen to Peter. We still don't know if what seems like something that's unforgivable truly can be forgiven. So we pick up Peter's story in John chapter 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? So they had finished their breakfast. That's where we picked up last time, right? They're eating fish. They're eating bread. And they're just kind of walking away. And Peter and Jesus are, are next to each other. And they're having this conversation. And Jesus asks him, do you love me? But he doesn't just ask him that question. He calls him Simon, which would have just made Peter's heart sink. Because Simon was his given name by his parents. But Peter was the name that he received from Christ that had this promise attached to it that he was going to do great things. And so right away, he's like, don't call me that. Don't call me Simon. I don't want to hear that. He says, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the other disciples? So Simon responds. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Now, what we're about to step into is Jesus three times is going to ask Peter the same exact question. And it's in correlation of the three times that Peter denied Christ. What Peter doesn't understand at this moment is that Jesus is restoring him. He's taking everything he did in the past and he's replacing it with something new. So he says, do you love me? And Peter says, I do. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. In other words, just like when that little girl showed up and asked you, are you a disciple? And you said, no, 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 no. This time, when the young people right? When the little girls and little boys and the teenagers, then when they come up to you, you tell them about me. You feed them. You tell them the power of Christ and the transformation that it provides. Well, the story continues. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? So once again, Jesus keeps working through this process of, of going through three times of affirmation versus the three times of denial. And so here's Simon's response. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And in direct contrast of the time the adults came when the crowd came and said, you are a disciple. And he said, no, I'm not. Christ is saying, when they come, when they come to you and when they ask you that question again, and when they want to know about, know about me, you tell them he is risen. And he's here to change your life. Well, the writer continues. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? So once again, Simon doesn't really get what's happening here. He doesn't really get that Jesus is walking him towards a, 
a place of restoration. He's counteracting every element of that denial. But Peter's hurt. He's hurt because this is the third time. And when you love someone truly and they accuse you of something or they don't trust you, I mean, it hurts. You've all been there. It might have been a spouse or, or a friend or a parent. And they accuse you of something. They don't trust you. And you're like, I, I love you. I've been true to you. Why are you saying this? This is how Peter feels. Right? Jesus, who he loves, is questioning his loyalty, is questioning his love. At least that's how he understands it. So Peter responds. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So once again, this is the third time. And Jesus once again is saying, hey, when people come to you and they want to know about me, you will not deny me again. You will feed them. You will share the truth with them. So John continues in his story. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And so Jesus tells Simon Peter, he tells him a little bit of the future, right? He makes a prediction about what's going to happen to Simon Peter. And we see what he's talking about in church history. We see that Peter actually becomes a great leader of the church, just like Jesus predicted before. He becomes a great leader of the church. And because of his faith and because of his proclamation of this truth, people don't like it very much. And Peter dies at the hands of the Roman Empire. He dies because he won't once again deny Christ. In fact, if you're looking for proof this morning about why you should believe and why you should trust Christianity and why there's credibility here, is look at Peter and look at the other disciples. You see, of the remaining 11 disciples, 10 of them, 10 of them would go to their death simply because they would not back down from an unbelievable story. When they told people that Jesus was risen from the dead, and this actually was true, they went to their death as people tried to kill them or get them to recant, and they said, no, we will not back down. This is a true story, and Peter was one of them. Peter, in this moment, was being restored. And this is what Jesus says to him. Follow me. Now, when Jesus said these two words to Peter, it was the moment of restoration. And it was the moment of restoration because these two words were said to him in the beginning. When as far as he knew, Jesus was just a teacher. When he learned that Jesus was a miracle worker, when he fell at his face... Jesus said to Peter, follow me, be my disciple. And once again, Christ is inviting Peter back into his role and and back into his potential. He's forgiving him and he's moving forward. Well, the writer continues. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. He was the one who reclined next to Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? So Peter turns and he looks around and he sees John, the writer of this book. John was Christ's closest of friends. I mean, he loved him dearly. In fact, we see that in the story because they had special intimate conversations where Christ would even tell him 
special knowledge, like who would be the one that would betray him? And so Peter looks and he asks this question, Lord, what about him? See, what Peter is doing here is he's trying to know what's going to happen to John. He's trying to understand if his future, his death, this prediction, is it coming true because of what he had done? Is it a punishment for betraying Christ three times? Because he knows that John hasn't done that, right? John hasn't lived that way. In fact, John was a close friend of Christ. And so what's going to happen to John? Because if I know that, then I can see if this is a punishment or not. So Christ responds. If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. So what Jesus is saying to Peter is, you don't worry about that. That's really none of your business. This is your job. Follow me. Follow in my path. Become like me. Share the faith. That's all you have to worry about. The rest, don't waste your time. The story continues. So the rumor spread in the community that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Well, just like today, there's rumors. Back in the day, there was rumors. People take a a little statement and a truth, and then they twist it and, and make it sound like something else. And that's what happens. See, what happened in that moment is when Jesus said this, people thought, oh, what he's saying is he will come back the second time sometime before John dies, right? And so they start doing the math and they start making really bad decisions about their lives based on this, this false notion. See, John could only live about 100 years, right? Unfortunately, this happens in our modern day context as well. People make predictions and big time people famous Famous pastors and things of that nature will say, okay, the world is going to end on this date or that date or when the moon is dark or whatever it might be. And they make these predictions and people make life decisions off of these predictions, these false predictions, because we see in scripture that we're told no one will know the day or the hour. That's only for the heavenly father to know. See people just in that day, just like today, They make really bad life decisions based off of false predictions. They empty their 401k. They sell their house. They spend all their money because on this date, Christ is coming back. And if Christ is coming back, then I can do whatever they want. So just like in this day, don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in that mess. Don't listen to predictions. We know Christ is coming back, but we don't know when. Well, John continues. But there are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the whole world itself could not be written. So we see that John continues and he says a statement just before this. He says, I'm writing this book to testify about what I've seen and what I have experienced. See, John was using a legal term. He's saying, take me before court and I will still respond the same way. That Jesus is who he said he was. That Jesus came back. And then later on, he says, we, meaning ask any of us, right? Christ has appeared to many, 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 many people. So if you want to test this out, if you want to see this is true, ask anyone. It says, not only can you ask about these stories, but there's so many other stories. In fact, Jesus all throughout his life taught amazing truths, did amazing things, proved himself time and time and time and time again. 
But John tells us, hey, I don't have time to write all those stories down. Now I don't have the money to record all those things. But what you have is proof enough. What you have is enough to know that Jesus is who he said he was. You see, this is what we, we see in this passage of scripture as John writes this amazing story of Peter's redemption. We see this about our own lives, and we see this about Peter's life, is that we have a faith that could not survive a vindictive Jesus. You see, this is the tension that Peter was living in. Would Jesus forgive me? Would Jesus forgive him? You see, if that was true, if Jesus looked at Peter and said, you are no longer worthy, get out of my presence. It wouldn't take much time at all before the other disciples would fall suit. They would have a mistake. They would fail. They would make a bad decision. And one by one, he would have to kick them to the curb. And soon, that faith would die. Because no one adds up. In fact, maybe you've been here throughout this whole series and you've learned some truths and you're thinking, I I agree with all that stuff. It's amazing that that's all true, but that's not the tension I'm having. The tension I'm I'm having is, is not about the proofs because I trust that. I trust that Christ is who he said he was. But my concern is that he won't accept me for who I am. I mean, if you knew the darkness within my heart, if you knew the thing I did back in my youth, if you knew what I did last week, If you knew and Christ knew, and that was really out there, you would understand why I know that I'm not worthy to be a part of his followers. You would understand. See, Peter, that's what he thought. But Jesus proved something to him. That's not how he lived. And that's not what he did on this earth. And that's not why he showed up. See, no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what you've done, no matter how embarrassed you are or how hidden you've shoved that in the corner because if anyone found out, they wouldn't talk to you anymore. Christ sees it already. And he calls you to be restored. He calls you back into relationship with him. And he proves it to us in this story. A man who rejected Christ, denied Christ three times, thought he was done for good, thought he was out of the family, thought he was out of the group. And Jesus, once again, calls him back and says, follow me. And he's saying the same thing to you today, too. No matter what that was, no matter how deep that secret is hidden, he says, follow me. Step back in. Come join the family once again, because I love you. This morning, we see an amazing truth. And we see an amazing proof that Jesus will never give up on you.